I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, so today uh, I've done a series of podcasts where I've gone through all the various magic years and recapped each year. Uh, so I'm up to 2017. So today I'm going to talk all about everything or most of the things, the major magic things that happened 2017. But there's a lot to get to, so let's get going. Okay, first, on January 20th, Ether Revolt gets, uh, gets released. Uh, it was led designed by Mark Gottlieb, led developed by Ben Hayes. Its codename was Stock. Uh, it had 184 cards, 70 commons, 60 uncommons, 42 rares, and 12 uh, mythic rares. Uh, it introduced the improvised mechanic where, kind of like Convoke, you could tap artifacts to pay for these spells, and a mechanic called Revolt that cared if a permit you control left the battlefield. Um, it also made use of... It, uh, either Revolt was the small expansion to um, to uh, Kaladesh, so it made use of all the stuff, from or most of the things from Kaladesh. Uh, but anyway, it was a small set, and it came out at the beginning of the year. Uh, quickly, uh, in very soon after, February 3rd to the 5th, in Dublin, Ireland, was Pro Tour Ether Revolt. Uh, all the Pro Tours this year used Standard and Booster Draft, so I'm not going to mention that for all of them, but they all of them did. Uh, at that event, uh, Lucas Esper Berhold uh, of Brazil defeats Marcio Carvalho of Portugal. Um, so at the time, for those who remember, uh, the Pro Tours were tied to the releases of the event. So each Pro Tour, like long ago, Pro Tours were named after the city they were held in. Uh, and then we switched over where Pro Tours were held after the, uh, the, the set that had come out. So it's tied to Ether Revolt. So this was Pro Tour Ether Revolt. Um, then on March 5th, uh, was the Magic Online Championship, won by Josh Utterladen, uh, from the United States. We'll, we'll hear his name. Uh, later in this year. It's a good year. It's a good year for Josh. Um, okay, on March 17th, uh, Modern Masters 2017 is released. Uh, so we had done the first Modern Masters a few years before, uh, and then we had done a second Modern Masters, and then we had done an Eternal Masters. So this was the fourth Master set and the third Modern Master set. Uh, for those that might not remember what Modern Master was, is they were all repeat sets uh, with cards that were legal and modern. Uh, but it was designed to be a fun draft environment, and it was a means by which people could get cards for modern. So it allowed us to reprint a lot of, of, a lot of different cards. Um, uh, anyway, Modern Masters had been... Uh, this is the period of time where we, we put out a lot of Master sets. There was a couple years where we pumped out a lot of... In fact, this set, 2017, has two Master sets in. I'll, I'll get to the second Master set. Um, but anyway, it was a fun uh, draft environment that you could draft, and it had lots of reprints of things for modern. Next up, Dual Decks, Mind versus Might. This came out on March 31st. Uh, so for those that remember Dual Decks, Dual Decks were two different decks, pre-made decks, that had a theme and they were meant to play against each other. The theme of this one was Mages versus Warriors. So it was a blue-red spell deck versus a red-green sort of brawn deck. So one was more spell-oriented and one was more creature-oriented. Uh, and the idea is uh, it was just sort of... One of the things that dual decks like to do is sort of just find different conflicts. So this is a, a higher level conflict, you know, the idea of of sort of magic versus brawn. Although obviously all magic spells because it's magic. Okay, next on April twenty eighth was Amonkhet. 
So the, that that was led by Ethan and I. We, we co-led the design. I led the first half, and he led the second half. Uh, and then Dave Humphreys led the development of that set. Uh, by the way, this is back when we had design and development. Uh, we hadn't yet changed over to the newer system of... Um, although vision design was, would be coming up, not this year, not 2017, but it is, it is coming up in the not-too-distant future. Um... Well, at least, sorry, at least as stuff we've announced. I mean, we, we were two years ahead, so we were doing it by this point. But as far as sets that got released, this set still was designed under the design development uh, process. So this was nicknamed Barrel. So um, when we first introduced Kaladesh, we didn't tell people that it was too, like, a large, small, large, small. So we introduced it as uh, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Um, and so we then ended up uh, make what well, we get to... We get uh, def- de- uh, our devastation. I'll, I'll explain that. But anyway, this was barrel because we didn't let you want you to know that it was two separate sets. So we just showed you. The, we told you the names of the first three sets that sounded like they all went together. Um, so Amicad had two hundred sixty nine cards, hundred one commons, eighty uncommons, fifty three rares, fifteen mythic rares, twenty lands. Um, that mix was what we for many many years was. Uh, or for, for a bunch of I guess two thousand seventeen. But for for a good chunk of years, that was the size of our large sets. Um, so it introduced a bunch of things. Uh, the, the three named mechanics introduced was exert, which is a mechanic where you could spend, you could choose to not untap the creature. Usually it was, it was on creatures and that allowed you to gain an ability, but the cost was the creature wouldn't untap on your next turn. Uh, we had embalm, which were creatures that when they went to your graveyard, you could cast them out of your graveyard and they would come back as a token uh, that as a but as a zombie, they would be sort of uh, mummies, if you will. Uh, and then aftermath were kind of like split cards, except you could only cast the first one from your hand and only cast the second one from your graveyard. So it's kind of a cross between split cards and flashback. Um, the set also had a minus one minus one counter theme. We introduced brick counters. There were trials. Um, the whole the real quick flavor of it was. Um, in Kaladesh, we had started, uh, the previous year, we had started what we called the Bolas arc, which was a three, we didn't tell you how long it was at the time, but it was a three-year storyline where the, uh, where the Gatewatch was up against, uh, Nicole Bolas. And so, they had gone to Kaladesh, uh, they had had a run-in, um, who they had run with? With, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the guy with the metal arm, uh, <laughs> Uh, it'll come to me. Uh, they basically went there. There was shenanigans going on. They figured out that Bolas was behind the shenanigans. So they ended up coming to Amicat because they, they wanted to put this to rest because they, they learned that, that, um, Bolas was, they, they believed was on Amicat. Uh, so when they got there, they were a little surprised. So, so there were, it turned out there was a civilization there that, uh, thought of Nicole Bolas as a god. And uh, they were very happy and content with what, where they were. But the more that the Gatewatch, and the, the Gatewatch at this point was uh, uh, was Jace and Gideon and Liliana and Chandra and Nyssa, uh, I think a John had joined in Kaladesh, but he, he refused to come with them. He thought it was dumb for them to go to Amonkhet. He thought that they needed a better plan. Uh, they should have listened to a Johnny. Uh, anyway, um, they get there to find out that it's, this world built on these trials where people basically make themselves as good as they can, but then go on these tests where they get killed. And it seems very weird to the Gatewatch, but the people, that's the world that they know. And so, um, but they have to investigate and they learn there's shenanigans going on behind the scenes that Bolas is involved in. 
Um, so also with Amonkhet, uh, there was, we, we at the time did this thing called Masterpieces, which was similar. We later would do Booster Fun. The big difference was Masterpiece showed up in a much smaller percentage. Basically, what we do is we took a bunch of cards that were a little more vicious to have sort of a bullish feel to them, and we gave them this, uh, we changed the cards so it looked like they were in hieroglyphics. It turns out that if you look really closely, it was English, but it was hard to read that it was English. Um, it was supposed to be something that you would discover later. Like we, we wanted you to look at it and think it wasn't in English, and later it turned out, oh, secretly is in English. Uh, but it just ended up being cards that were hard to read. Um, they look really cool, but they are not super functional. It's, it's hard to tell what the cards are. So, um, But anyway, Amonkhet Innovations came out in Amonkhet. Uh, as part of the masterpiece. Uh, also, um, at the same time we put out Amonkhet, we put out the deck, the deck builder's toolkit, the Amonkhet edition. Uh, that was part of what we used to do to help new players learn how to play, and we give you a whole bunch of cards, and you could build some themes. Um, and then we put it out with the large sets at the time. Um, okay, so Pro Tour Amonkhet was May twelfth through the fourteenth in Nashville, Tennessee, um, in the U.S. Uh, Gary Thompson of the USA defeats Yuya Watanabe, two-time Player of the Year from Japan, um, in a dramatic final. Um, and, uh, what else to say about that? Um, next up, June 9th, uh, we put out Commander Anthology. So what had happened was, a couple years before, three or four years before, um, we had put out the very first, I think four years before, we had put out the very first Commander decks. Uh, and it turned out to be a, a, a big smash. Like, originally we had done it, we have this innovation slot, we had done it as the innovation slot for that year. It went over so well that it immediately became its own product line, and we started doing a commander set every year. Uh, commander Anthology took one deck of each of, I guess this must have been the fifth year, because it took one deck from each of the previous four years uh, and sold it together as a product you could buy. Um, so it was uh, very popular. Okay, next up on June 12th, I wrote an article in Making Magic called Metamorphosis 2.0. So I had written an article called Metamorphosis a couple years before, talking about the change uh, from the traditional block system, which was large, small, small core set, to a system that we called the two-and-two system, which was large, small, large, small, and the core sets had gone away. Well, we were changing things again to what I then referred to as the three-in-one model, which was three large sets that could be on their own worlds, uh, they could be in the same world, but we introduced the idea that each set could be on its own world, that no, no more small expansion, every set would be a large expansion, and that the core set was coming back. So this was me announcing that. Um, uh, it was, the in general, the, my Metamorphs articles, my articles where I announce big things usually go over pretty well, and uh, people like hearing the thoughts behind this. So that article obviously um, went pretty well. Okay, next, on June 16th, Arch Enemy Nicole Bolas. Okay, so um, we had done Arch Enemy many years before as a one of our um, innovative product lines. Uh, so it what the idea is that one person gets to play the Arch Enemy, and they have these giant cards that give them special abilities. And the idea is it powers them up so that one player can play against multiple players. Um, so previously in Arch Enemy, we just sold Arch Enemy packs and you could, I think we made uh, Arch Enemy decks and you could buy the decks and then play against the Arch Enemy. Um, uh, and then each deck came with different Arch Enemy cards. I think that's how we did it originally. Anyway, this time it was one product. You got one Arch Enemy deck for Bolas and then, I forget whether it was three or four, you got a, uh, 
basically you got decks for the some members of the gate the gate crash. Uh, and um, anyway, so it was just us bringing back Arch Enemy. We had we had not printed Arch Enemy since we had done the original thing, and it's us bringing Arch Enemy back. Um, anyway, uh, and and we so one of the things we had started doing was theming some of our products to the larger um, line. So, for example, this was the pro one of the products assigned to Arch. Uh, it's not Arch Enemy assigned to um, Amonkhet. Um, and so this was, uh, it came out a little bit after Amonkhet, but it was thematically tied to Amonkhet, uh, because in the Amonkhet storyline, Amonkhet slash Our Devastation storyline, uh, they end up fighting Bolas. And so, uh, this was us sort of showing that fight. So for those who don't know the story, I guess a real quick recap, uh, the gate, the, the, I say not gate crash, gate watch, the gate watch, I said gate crash, the gate watch goes to Amonkhet to try to stop Bolas because they have learned in Kaladesh um, that uh, things are, that, that, that Bolas is up to something. They think they're going to go and crush him. They've been very successful the last couple of missions, and they get horribly defeated by Bolas. He just crushes them. Uh, and uh, what we thought might be the end of the story is just the end of Act 1. Uh, so one of the things we had fun with is we didn't tell the audience how long the story was, and so the previous year's story had been a, a year arc, and so we're like, okay, this looks like we're setting up another story where we recap the end of the year, um, and then we didn't, and we, the story went on a little longer, so Bolas was a little more dangerous than people realized. Uh, in Arch Enemy, we thought it was a really good way to let people sort of experience that moment of the gate of the Gatewatch fighting Nicole Bolas. Okay, then, in July 14th, Hour of Devastation came out. So, led designed by Sean Main, led developed by Ian Duke. Uh, so, its codename was Laughs. So, what happened was we had Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Uh, and so, we ended up tying this over like Barrel of Laughs. So, we tied this to Barrel since it was too small. It was a small set to go with the large set. Uh, it had 199 cards, 70, 70 commons, 60 uncommons, 42 um, rares, and 12 mythic rares with 15 lands. Um, normally small sets don't have basic lands, but we did the special thing where we did these alt art, uh, uh, in Amonkhet, we'd done these full art, full art lands that, sh that showed Amonkhet with, like, Bolas's horns, and then we redid them, and some of them showed the devastation. So what happens in our devastation is Bolas leads an attack onto Amonkhet and destroys Amonkhet. Uh, and then we uh, and we have a big fight between the uh, Gatewatch and Bolas. Bolas crushes them, uh, and we learn uh, that Amonkhet, the ma master plan for Amonkhet was he was uh, Bolas was building an army of uh, what he called the Eternals, which was his zombie army that he was using his tests to build the ultimate fittest army possible. Uh, and he had built this. Why? Why would he need a zombie army? Well, we're not going to find that out in 2017. But it will. Uh, they would later come. They... they uh, I guess in 2019, uh, eventually there is a big event that culminates in the War of the Spark, and they, they play a role there. Um, there were two new mechanics in the set, or one adaptive mechanic, one new mechanic. So Eternalize was a, a evolved version of Embalm. Uh, it worked like Embalm, but instead of them coming back at whatever their power toughness was, so like when you did Embalm, it was literally exactly a token that was a copy of the creature. But Eternalize, they always turned to a 4-4. Uh, and the cards were designed such that you had a more upgrade effect. It, it cared about their power. So the cards became more powerful when you brought them back. Um, and then it had the Afflict mechanic. So the Afflict mechanic was a mechanic where um, it had a number on it that if you blocked the creature, you would lose life, whatever the Afflict number was, even if you blocked them. So it was trampoly sort of feel. 
If, and sometimes the afflict number could be bigger or smaller, but it just meant even if you block them, you're just gonna, still going to take some amount of damage. So it was, you kind of couldn't stop afflict creatures dealing a certain amount of damage. Um, interesting, a little side story real quick. We had originally designed afflicts thinking that this would be the mechanic. Like we wanted to introduce the Eternals and then have a mechanic and then bring back the mechanic in uh, our I'm sorry, in uh, War of the Spark. We ended up not being that happy with afflict at all said and done and ended up um, doing a different mechanic. Um, we did the mass mechanic instead to show, to show the Eternals. So we ended up, our master plan didn't quite work out, but that, that was the, the plan at the time. And then, let's see, in, um, July 28th through the 30th, there was Pro-Tour Hour of Devastation in Kyoto, Japan. Um, so Paolo Vitor Damanderoso of Brazil defeats Sam Party, um, of the U.S. Uh, so Paulo, those who know, is one of the best magic players of all time. Uh, he would, he's won numerous pro tours. He's the, uh, won the world championship. Anyway, uh, th this is also a good year for Polo, as, as we will see. Um, next, uh, on August 25th, we released Commander 2017. Uh, so as I talked about a little earlier, uh, Commander become a product line we've done every year. Uh, so every year we put out decks. So this year was four decks. Uh, they were focused on a creature type. So we had a five-color dragon deck, a green-white cat deck, a red-white-black vampire deck, and a blue-black-red wizard deck. Uh, and it introduced the eminence mechanic, which uh, granted about an ability while the commander's in play or in the command zone. Um, but anyway, uh, as, as always, the commander decks were quite popular. Okay, then in September, September 8th through the 10th, in Providence, Rhode Island, was HazCon. Uh, so far, the only ever HasCon. So HasCon, Has stands for Hasbro. So Hasbro decided to do, uh, they wanted to do their own um, convention based on all their properties, of which Magic is one of them, because uh, Wizard of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, for those that might not know that. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they, they said they really would like me to attend, so I did. Uh, and I was there. It was, it was a really fun event. Uh, it was one of those things, I did a whole podcast, if you want to hear me talk about this, I did a whole podcast on this event, but um, going into it, there was a lot of concerns, uh, they, they hadn't run one before, and so, you know, the first time you ever doing something, there's some, a lot of wrinkles to work out, I know we had, um, our people that had done our convention stuff worked with them, and <coughs> I, anyway, it ended up being a wonderful event. Um, from a magic perspective, the two key things that happened there, one is, uh, there were some HasCon promos, um, it's the first time people saw um, the, uh, what's it called? The Sword of Dungeon Dragons, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about in, in a second as well. Um, or at least the product that comes out in a second. Uh, and then there also was a Nerf card and there was a um, Transformers card. And, and the Transformers card actually, uh, in fact, you could have two sides to it. Um, anyway, so you could buy those promos, which were only at that event. Uh, they were all silver-bordered. Uh, and there also was a blind pre-release of Iconic Masters that would come out later in the year. So what I mean by blind pre-release was you got to play with Iconic Masters knowing nothing about the set. So Iconic Masters was a, another Master set. It, it was an all-reprint set, uh, but had a, you know, a, a fun um, draft environment. And anyway, it's not often you could sit down at an event, open up cards, and have no idea, literally zero idea what's in the packs. Um, it is hard these days to do a blind pre-release because we, we let people know the cards before a normal pre-release. So normal pre-releases aren't blind. You know what the cards are. Uh, but this, we could do one. So it was kind of a very special event, and I, I played in a couple of them, and they were, they were a lot of fun. Um, okay, next up, uh, September 19th, Ixalan comes out. 
Uh, so it was the design was led by me and Ken. We co-led the design, and Sam Stoddard led the development. Its code name was Ham. Um, so we started doing two two set uh, blocks in which we were naming things after food. So I think this is ham and eggs. So this was our, our breakfast. Um, uh, anyway, um, and there were uh, that 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 naming thing would get messed up with time because we switched things over. But anyway, um, so Ixalan had two hundred seventy nine cards, one hundred one commons, eighty uncommons, fifty three rares, fifteen mythic rares, and twenty lands. But once again, the sort of staple large size set at the time. Uh, the set had four factions: the Sun Empire which was red, green, and white, the features dinosaurs, which was a tribal theme. The Brazen Coalition, which was blue, black, red, which featured pirates. The River Heralds, which was green and blue, featuring merfolk. And the Legion of Dusk, which was white, black, featuring vampires. Um, and so it was based upon a lot of Mesoamerican influences, um, and uh, it introduced a couple of mechanics. It had enraged that triggered when, when uh, things that have enraged get targeted. It had raid... Um, which we had brought back. It was a mechanic we had done before, but uh, rewards you for having attacked. And then Explore was a mechanic where you could look at the top card. Of your, when Creatures that, when they came in the battlefield, looked at the top card of a library. It was a land that went to your hand. If not, went back on top of your library, but you put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature. Um, also, uh, while this another, not a new mechanic, there were, um, in this set, uh, land that transformed. So you could... Um, you had cards that say transformed into lands, the lands from the backside. But there were powerful lands, the things that transformed into the lands, uh, playing into the exploration aspect of it. Um, we also treasure counters. I think got introduced here. I've become pretty deciduous at this point, but this is the set that introduced treasure counters, um, and there were other things, vehicles and stuff like that. There were a lot of boats and things. Um, okay, then at the same time that that came out on just September twenty ninth. Or sorry, a week later, or 10 days later, on September 29th, the Deck Builders Toolkit came out. So just as we had a Deck Builders Toolkit for uh, Amonkhet, we also had one for Ixalan. Um, okay, then, in October 6th through the 8th, in Boston, Massachusetts, here in the USA, was the World Championship, the 2017 World Championship. So, uh, in it, Billy Jensen, William Billy Jensen of the United States, defeats Javier Dominguez of Spain to become the world champion. So, Billy had played forever, a really good, uh, one of the best players to ever play, uh, and he finally managed to become the world champion. He had won, he had won a pro tour, uh, but this was his first chance of winning a world championship. Um, also, I believe, this is more up-to-date, but Billy is coming to work at Wizards. I, I, uh, sorry, I, I've not actually had a chance to interact with him as an employee yet. Uh, but I will soon. Um, so I know he's coming to work at Wizards. Okay, um, next up, uh, Pro Tour Ixalan was November 3rd through the 5th in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico in the U.S. Um, Seth Manfield, former world champion Seth Manfield of the U.S., defeats Pascal Maynard of Canada. Uh, also at this event, there was a Hall of Fame introduction. So Josh Utterladen of the United States and Martin Huza of the Czech Republic, um, I think it's Yuza. I said that. Yuza of the Czech Republic uh, got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very exciting. Uh, then on November 10th uh, was Dual Decks Merfolk versus Goblins. So it was a blue Merfolk deck versus a red Goblin deck. Uh, obviously, it was a tribal theme, and so uh, it leaned in heavily into tribal Merfolk versus tribal Goblins. Okay, on November 17th, Iconic Masters gets released. So once again, that was a set that there was a blind pre-release at Hascon, but the set finally gets released for everybody else because not everybody came to Hascon on November 17th. Then on November 24th, 
Uh, there's a, November, by the way, a lot of stuff got, got, got out. Uh, there was the final from the vault, from the vault transform. So it's 15 double face cards. Um, one of the things we had found with from the vaults is they were really, um, cannibalizing a lot of other products like master's products and other reprint products that we wanted to do. And so what we found was double face cards are very hard to do in normal, uh, supplemental products. So we did, uh, 15 double face cards here. Uh, but this would be the, the, the sun setting, as we say, of the, from the vault, the last from the vault product. Uh, and we would transform into some other, uh, other leg products to fill a similar void. Also November 24th, Explorers of Ixalan came out, which was a board game which had um, let you play... Magic was a component of the game, but it was a board game in which Magic played... And, uh, the cards from, from the set could play a role. Okay, then in December 1st of the 3rd, in Nice, France, was the 2017 Magic World Cup, where Japan defeats Poland. So at the time, we had separated out the individual world championship from the team world championship to make the team... The Magic World Cup is what it was called. Or sorry, the World Magic Cup. Sorry, to say it correctly. The World Magic Cup. Um, and that was held there, and Japan was the winning team. Um, okay, and then for 2017, uh, the, pre- the player of the year was Paulo. Paulo Vitor Damodoroso from Brazil became the player of the year. Uh, and then the rookie of the year was Ben Hall from Canada. Okay, there was one last event in 2017, but I've saved the best event for the last. So on December 8th was Unstable, the third unset. Uh, many, many years in the making. I think like 13 years. There was a 13-year gap between Unhinged and Unstable. And I believe that we were working on Unstable for like seven years. Uh, it took a long time to come out. So there were 268 cards. I'll put an asterisk on that. I'll explain that in a second. 102 commons, 90 uncommons, 61 rares, 15 mythic rares, and 5 lands. Um, the reason there's an asterisk is there were a bunch of variables. So uh, a bunch of different cards. Some variables had art variables. Some had rules text variables. Some had name variables. Some had flavor text variables. Some had a combination of those. Um, so there were 268 you, you, cards that were unique, but there were variances of some of those cards. And like I said, some of those cards had rules variances. So there, there are more than 268 mechanical cards. But, but, uh, I think we said 268-ish when we released it. Um, okay, so Unstable introduced contraptions. Uh, so what had happened was in a set called Future Sight, we'd made a card called, uh, Steam Flogger Boss. Um, oh, by the way, because my memory's not great. Tezzeret, earlier in this podcast, I was trying to remember of who, who the, in Kaladesh, who the planeswalker, who the, the bad guy was. It was Tezzeret. For some reason, I could not remember Tezzeret's name, but before we ended, I wanted to say that I did remember it. Um, anyway, uh, Steamflugger Boss was in Future Sight, and it referenced the assembling of contraptions, which was something that we were just, we just made as a joke. We had no intent to ever do. Then Aaron wrote an article where he admitted we had no intent to ever do it, which meant the audience said, now you must do it. And so I had spent years trying to find a place to do contraptions. Uh, and one of the things I realized was that in order to kind of do them in the way that seemed to be the, what they wanted to be, I needed to stretch a little more than sort of a uh, black border would let me. So by going into an unset, I was able to make an extra deck of contraptions. Uh, and so the idea was when you built it, you had a separate deck of contraptions and you would assemble them from that deck. And then there, there were like three zones you would build in. And then every turn, it would change a uh, sprocket, I think they were called. Uh, it would change between the sprockets. And so uh, essentially every other, every third turn, each 
sprocket would go off and you could sort of program where you put things. Um, but anyway, contraptions came out. Uh, we also introduced host augment, which is a mechanic where hosts were all creatures that had entered the battlefield effect. And then you could augment were cards that you could sort of stitch onto them to make a larger creature. And it changed the right side of them. And so, um, it, uh, it changed it. So, sorry. It changed the left side, not the right side. It changed the, the left side of them. So instead of having an enter the battlefield effect, it gave them a different. Um, the effect had a different uh, trigger, and so you could you you could you can combine sort of triggers and effects. Uh, and there are all sorts of combinations you can do in lots of different hosts and augments. Um, it also introduced something we called outside assistance, which wasn't named, but where you go outside the game and ask people whether they're hard-fiving you or answering questions or doing all sorts of things or maybe making decisions in the game for you. Uh, we had outside assistance. Uh, it also introduced, or not introduced, sorry. It also brought back stuff like die rolling and things that, at the time, <laughs> were, were very un-things. Uh, later on, in future years, other sets would introduce stuff like die rolling into, into Blackboard or Magic. Um, the, the other big thing about Unstable was it was a faction set. Uh, so there were five factions built into it. Uh, they were ally color factions uh, because we really wanted to get steam floggers and they ended up being red-green. Um, White-blue had our cyborgs. Blue-black had our villains. I'm sorry, blue-black had our spies. Black-red had our villains. Red-green had our goblins. And green-white had... Uh, uh, a race of that likes to, creatures that likes to stitch all sorts of animals together, and so is lots of different animals. Uh, it was the the people who kind of were the number one host augment uh, tribe. Anyway, um, that my friends in thirty minutes is everything that happened in two thousand seventeen. Whew! Uh, it was uh, there, a lot happened, but luckily I was able to talk all about it in thirty minutes. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing all about this. Um, there were a lot of funs. Uh, obviously, the highlight for me in 2017 uh, was uh, Unstable because I'd wanted that to come out forever and worked on a long time. Uh, but we had a lot of fun sets. I really think Amonkit was a lot of fun and Ixlan was fun. And uh, anyway, there, there were a lot of uh, cool worlds we built that year. I think both Amonkit and Ixlan were very, very cool worlds. Um, I mean, looking back on it, there are some things I would fix up, such about Ixalan. But anyway, uh, it was a fun year. Lots of Pro Tours. Uh, Metamorphosis 2.0. Commander decks. Hascon. Anyway, it was, it was a chock-full year full of lots of fun things. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed our, our jaunt through 2017. Uh, but I can see my desk. So we all know what that means. And this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. See you guys next time.